Greetings, comrades, and welcome to another episode of Chatter in the Skull, the last of the year, and I hope you guys had a great Christmas and a great holiday, and I'm going to be able to bring one last episode before 2022 wraps up, and it's going to be a New Year's-themed episode today, as we are going to review and rank the events of 2022 in the most pure and objective way known to humanity, which is a tier list. All right, before we begin, let me set up the rules and parameters of the tier list. I've got a dozen or so major events throughout the year, and we're going to rank them from worst, just generally seeming the worst, to generally seeming the best. One of my biggest pet peeves about tier lists is when they're not ranked. It's just like someone choosing them and putting them in a random order or whatever. I don't know why. I've always disliked that immensely. So everything's always ranked. And I also am going to try not to keep it too long. I know it's New Year's, people got things going on. So I'm going to keep it to be a shorter episode, try not to ramble on too hard for this tier list for you guys. So without further ado, let us jump in to our tier list here. As you can see, I've got some icons and we'll talk about obviously which one is which as we go through. One last quick rule before we begin, I'm going to keep the F and S tiers to have only one candidate so essentially that they will there will be quote-unquote worst and quote-unquote best event of 2022 but i think the one thing we can say about 2022 is that it is a momentous year in history and an extremely tumultuous year as we talk about what i would think is pretty much unquestionably the worst event of 2022 and the f-tier event which is the russo-ukraine war what's there to be said about this event that hasn't already been said in the past year i've been talking about it everyone's been talking about it it has been a world-changing event there's no question about it if i had come to myself one year in the past and told myself one year ago that not only would russia invade ukraine but the war would still be going on almost now one year later i would have said that that's the same but here we are talking about the biggest conflict in Europe since World War II, and obviously the greatest humanitarian crisis, I think probably of our, so far of our lives. This has obviously killed an untold number of people, displaced an untold number of people, and continues to be grinding on right now. We have, of course, the fighting in Bakhmut, which is getting the most amount of attention, and it is a meat grinder of infantry, according to reports from virtually every side, and has basically shown that World War I still lives in our combat DNA, essentially, and we are still using tactics that were used at the dawn of the mechanized warfare and industrial warfare era. It's crazy to be talking about it, and I hope that somehow things will resolve next year. It's hard to imagine now that we are in the position that we're in, this war ending anytime soon, so... Who knows what 2023 will bring, but this war has caused not just an obvious humanitarian crisis, but has increased a certain goods and prices, particularly the price of food and oil, have increased due to this war. It has caused an energy crisis in Europe. It's a catastrophe, and even if you're on the Russian side, there's no question that this is an F-tier event for you, because, again, to be talking about this war still going on almost one year later, if you had gone back a year ago and told people about that, it would have seemed implausible. In any case, I don't know what 
more can be said about it. I think it's the most historically impactful event to have happened this year, but it is also without question, in my opinion, the worst thing to have happened this year. So the worst thing of 2022, the Russo invasion of Ukraine, and obviously we're going to keep talking about it well into 2023 and as long as the invasion keeps going. So now we are in D tier, and at the bottom of D tier, we have the increased backlash against the LGBTQ plus community. This is something that I feel has been brewing under the surface and is finally bubbling over to the top. We have seen rhetoric against particularly the trans community increase in severity over the last couple of years. And now we are seeing people taking this kind of rhetoric and transposing it into real life in a way that we haven't seen previously. There have been at least always been violence on an individual level against people in the trans community and the larger LBTQ plus community. However, we are seeing things get codified into law, particularly again against the trans community in a way that this year we haven't seen happen on the scale. And it is a genuinely terrifying thing. And one of the reasons why we've talked about this before, which inspired me to start doing this show, to push back against this rhetoric, particularly as someone who is a parent, I think it's very important to push back against it because one of the demographics that the conservatives like to target with their propaganda is parents. And I think it's important to say, you know what? Our children are going to be just fine without your help. Thanks. It's going to be okay. You don't have to worry. All right. Next up is the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And this is another kind of blow that we should have seen coming. However, it still took us by surprise. And it's something that if you, again, went back and talked to me a year ago and said that in 2022, Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned, I would have thought that that was pretty crazy. However, again, here we are. And this is the first time, at least in my lifetime, that a right has really been rolled back and something has been rolled back. And it's been a moment, I think, for a lot of people on the left to take stock and to take notice and to realize that the fight's not over. And even if we do, quote unquote, win the fight, there's always the chance that things could be taken backwards. And in the same way that when you lose someone who's very close to you, it tends to reorganize your priorities. And sometimes good things can come from that. You still wish that you never lost that loved one in the first place. So while this moment has, I think, brought together a great moment of left-wing unity, maybe some of the, the greatest moments of left-wing unity I've seen in a really, really long time, it sucks that this pivotal moment, that this Supreme Court decision, which has lasted for half a century, had to be overturned to get there. So that's one of the reasons why it's not lower on the list is that there is a silver lining here, but still obviously an incredibly terrible thing to have happened in 2022. All right, so let's move up to C tier and at the bottom of C tier, oops. And at the bottom of C tier, we have Kanye West going full Yadolf and stunning us all by the blatant pro-Nazi statements that he has said in the recent months have really flabbergasted a lot of people into seeing a person go this far downhill so quickly and to descend into this kind of realm of rabid anti-Semitism and feel to the point where he has to announce it very broadly to the world. It's been pretty crazy. Again, 
it's been one of the things that just trying to i'm trying to convince myself that we don't live in a simulation but when stuff like this happens it's pretty hard not to but the one thing that i do like about this instance and about this event is that it has driven a stake right through the right way and has basically put them on one side or the other where basically you have to criticize him is what he's blatantly saying which is pro nazi shit <laughs> or you have to basically try and either logically justify what he's saying i've seen some like crazy mental gymnastics people will put themselves through be like oh he's just talking about what happens behind the curtain and stuff like that and he's just speaking truth to power or he's just trying to get out of business deals is another one that i've heard but Either way, this has put a dividing line on the right where it's basically like you condemn this or you reveal yourself to basically be pro-Nazis. I think this has definitely helped stoke right-wing infighting. Maybe the whole 2015 to 2020 were the years of left-wing infighting and 2020s and beyond maybe the years of right-wing infighting. But this particular moment is going to drive a fierce and sharp dividing line between two camps on the right. And I don't know who's going to win. It's going to be something that we're going to have to watch moving into the future, but that's the reason why it's a C-tier event. It's not some something lower. So moving on to our next event, we have the Qatar World Cup, a C-tier event, even though it was in terms of a sporting event it was quite a good sporting event it was a thrilling final congratulations to argentina for winning the world cup but of course it had to come with all the baggage of being held in qatar obviously the qatari team didn't do so hot when we were talking about the world cup in our episode we talked about the the qatari soccer team not not great not great to say the least and they got knocked out pretty quickly and despite the fact that this is a country that doesn't exactly have a lot of soccer history, they're holding the biggest soccer event. And in order to do that, they had to grease a lot of palms and basically build the stadium on the backs of broken and sometimes killed migrant workers. So to quote one of my Discord mods, basically they said, why did the best World Cup of my lifetime have to happen in Qatar? And it's an unfortunate stain that will be on the Qatari World Cup. However, that being said, it was a great sporting event, so that's why it's a C-tier. Our last C-tier event is going to be Elon Musk buying Twitter. Again, this is a C-tier event because I don't know what's going to happen and, and has some good and bad things to have come out of this. I am not a fan of the politics of Elon Musk, not a fan of some of the decisions that he's made on Twitter, but holy smokes, watching some of the really bizarre decisions that, that he has made recently and doing things like putting out, we haven't had the chance to talk about this in the last two weeks, where he basically put out a poll saying if he should stay as the CEO of Twitter and the people voted him out. And who knows, of course, if he's going to abide by that. One of the things we've talked about again with Elon is that you have to watch his actions. You don't watch his words. So while, yes, he has said that he's going to step down, he still remains the head of Twitter. Who knows when he's actually going to step down? Could be a year from now, could be a week from now, could be tomorrow, could be never. You have no idea what this guy. 
So it has been a wild roller coaster with Elon Musk at the head of Twitter. But ultimately, I do think that that is a coaster that is going downhill. And we shall see how long it is going to stay in the air. But I think Twitter's wings have been clipped considerably. However, I think that a lot of people may disagree with me there. I think that it has some longevity. I have been betting for the demise of Twitter since long before Elon Musk took hold of the platform. So I do hope that it goes belly up. But then again, it has proven to be much more resilient than I thought it was going to be. All right, we're halfway through. Moving along at a really great pace, I think. One of the things, I don't know if I mentioned this, is another pet peeve of mine, is when tier lists take forever. And they're like an hour and a half long. No, too long. In any case, let's move on to B tier now. At the bottom of the B tier, I'm going to put what I call the Trump slump as the bottom of the B tier. Again, if you told me a year ago that Donald Trump would be struggling to maintain his control over the Republican Party, I again thought you would be crazy. But here we are, and Donald Trump is barely holding on to the Republican Party by the polls that we are seeing. People are abandoning him in droves. His campaign is not looking so hot. And the big question for me is, is that actually going to stick? Is that actually going to stick moving into 2023? We've seen this guy rebound before, but are his political prospects well and truly done? I'm not sure, to be quite honest. He is a guy that I don't know if you can ever count him out because he does have a certain charismatic hold over the base of the party. And there does remain a core that will basically be ride or die with him and that will never let him go. So it is an interesting dynamic brewing in the GOP right now. I put this as a B-tier event because I'm not sure if having Trump be kicked to the curb is necessarily that good for leftist politics. The main reason being is because I think DeSantis is superior to Trump in terms of the amount of damage that he can do, in terms of his also general electability, and in terms of being a more efficient operator of the levers of power. I also think DeSantis will be superior to Trump in that regard. The one thing, though, that really makes me not want to discount Donald Trump is, again, his charisma. It is like a wild card, and it can get him out of just about anything. And that is the one thing that Ron DeSantis just does not have. He just does not have that kind of charismatic X factor that Donald Trump does. And my big question is when the actual debate comes in 2024, is that X factor still going to be able to carry the day? I don't know, but it will be interesting to see nonetheless. All right, next up for B tier, we have Anarchy in the UK or the UK implosion, whatever you want to call it. I'm not quite sure what happened in the United Kingdom earlier this year where they went through three prime ministers in the span of a couple months. However, we saw the installment of Liz Truss as Prime Minister. I'm sure most people have already forgotten about her. At this point, the only thing about Liz Truss's tenureship, which will outlast her, is of course the meme of the lettuce, the, the head of lettuce lasting longer than her tenure as Prime Minister. And that I think will be a hilarious, that is my favorite political meme of 2020. It's a hilarious meme that will probably be around for a while. 
it's our 2020 equivalent of the the jet bush meme essentially so if you're living in the uk this is probably not a b-tier event for you this is b-tier mainly because of the entertainment value that it brought and also because of how devastating this really is to the conservative brand and i do think it will do lasting damage and essentially the next election is going to be labors to lose shouldn't say much about kia stammer I don't know the guy. I haven't really been following him too much. <laughs> Obviously, I really like Jeremy Corbyn, but it's tough to bring the guy back when he got spanked so badly. But that being said, he just seems like he's the kind of guy, the right guy in a position to do right now. Basically, just seems like a reasonable, competent person who could bring an air of stability, which is essentially, I think, what a lot of people are looking for around the world currently. So that being said, another reason why it's B-tier is because it will hopefully help left-wing politics in the future. However, the new prime minister, Sunak, sorry, sorry, I probably butchered his last name, I do think is doing the right thing, which is essentially just blending into the woodwork. He is being as transparent as possible in, ter in terms of not being visible, not in terms of like a transparent government, but he's being as invisible as possible, saying as little, doing as little, rocking as few boats as possible, which is the thing that he wants to be doing right now. So in that sense, he is doing smart politics, but we'll, we'll see how that carries on moving into the future. And if the conservatives can really overcome the damage that this year has brought to their political brand in the United Kingdom. All right, let's round off the B tier. Top of the B tier is going to be the 2022 midterms. Great event. It was a great live stream with you guys watching the vote come in. Obviously, I didn't end up being an A-tier event, I think, because when all the votes were counted, the Republicans did take the House. They flipped the exact number with the Democrats. However, the Democrats did end up gaining a seat in the Senate, something that hasn't happened for a party in a midterm since the 1930s. So it was a pretty good overall election for Democrats. But the best thing about it was essentially the what came after the elections where the kind of salt mines got a little bit of an equivalent of what the conservatives had in 2016, had a little bit of that in 2020, and it was nice. I don't want to revel in it too much, but it was a kind of nice change of pace to see the left-wing parties. Overall, it was a pretty good, pretty good election. The main thing that I do fear with this midterm is that it's going to solidify Joe Biden as the Democratic nominee for 2024, something which I personally don't want. I think he could beat Trump, no problem. However, against DeSantis, it's a coin flip. Right now, I think DeSantis has too many unknown variables to say if he could definitely beat Biden. There is a possibility that when he does go nationally, he just falls apart. However, there's also the same possibility that he is able to bring his message that has been successful in Florida to an America-wide audience. So there's too many unknowns about him, I think, to say definitively that he could beat Biden, but it would be way too close for comfort personally. But the issue is, <clears throat> is that there's not a lot of great Democratic candidates in the wings ready to replace Joe Biden. It is what it is. The main, like I said, the main drawback for me from these midterms is that, yeah, Joe Biden is probably gonna be running again in 2024. Okay, so that rounds out B tier for us. And starting off our journey into A tier, we're going to go 
with AI and uh, specifically I'm talking about a lot of the AI breakthroughs which have happened this year. This has been definitely the biggest year in terms of actual tangible hands-on AI developments that consumers can use that have been really ground shaking. We have had, of course, the rise of AI generated art. It has been controversial. Of course, there are a lot of people who believe that it has opened up a larger ethical discussion about who art belongs to essentially and how AI art can maybe potentially undermining the future of human artists. It's actually a very fascinating conversation that I like to delve deeper into at some point in the future. But I do think overall that these AI advances are extremely positive. I'm a big believer in the power of AI. I want to push AI to its limits. Maybe people disagree with me there. I am not afraid of the rise of AI. I think it's all holds barred. You put me in charge of the AI program. I'm putting the pedal to the metal fast as we can go. Develop, develop, develop. So I think that a lot of these breakthroughs have been spectacular and incredible technology. Of course, we had recently the PET AI bot from OpenAI, which is the most comprehensive chatbot I've ever seen, which offers some a wide variety of applications and uses. And we are seeing AI infiltrate its way into things like video editing and voice modulation and of course deep fakes videos being edited and faces being repurposed lip syncing being retooled all kinds of fascinating things are happening one of the very especially from a content creator's perspective one of the very interesting things to me that is happening is the ability to bring in a lot of sophisticated filming technology into the hands of the individual things like being able to scan your face and being able to put it into a computer and then basically being able to talk as I would be talking right now and have a rig on your face that would be scanning it into your computer and creating sort of an AI character that would be reading your lips and movements and recording it for you in the same way that a lot of gameplay is captured for video games these days. These kind of tools are gonna to be more accessible to individual content creators and individual people. And I can't wait to see some of the creative things that come out of it. And I know that with AI, a lot of people are worried that it's going to ruin creativity. I think at least at the point we are now, maybe at some point it will, but at the point we're now, I see a lot of ways that can enhance creativity just in the same way. It's, it's more like a extremely advanced paintbrush is almost what I see it up being, right? It still has to have human input at some point to create. So it's not completely autonomous or anything like that yet. But it is absolutely fascinating. Sorry, I don't want to ramble on too much about AI, but it's obviously something that I'm very passionate about. And this year has been absolutely the biggest developments in AI that I've ever seen in my lifetime. All right, we're going to round out A tier with the top of the A tier is going to be Kyrson Retaken, which is the biggest and, and so far best, I think, event to have happened in the Ukrainian war. I was tempted to put this the Crimean bridge destruction, but ultimately I think Kyrgyzstan being retaken is a bigger and more important event. Obviously this was the first and only regional capital that the Russians seized in their initial invasion and their main staging point across the Dnieper River. Losing that 
makes them lose their toehold across the river and of course their major regional capital and is a massive massive blow to their prestige and of course gives them one less potential thing that they could use if they were trying to broker some sort of hypothetical peace which in my opinion is extremely unlikely and realistically any russian peace deal put on the table i think ukraine would be foolish to accept just about any peace deal outside of utter capitulation for the russians at this point as they are winning and they continue to be doing better than just about anybody expected so they really don't have any purpose to stop fighting until the russians leave their territory so i think that yeah there's no reason for the ukrainians to sue for peace until they reclaim everything that they have lost in any case it's really tough i think to understate the the value that retaking this city has for the ukrainians has for ukrainian morale and basically for the cause of the ukrainian people and to keep of course our support going towards the people that really need it over there so with that that brings us to the last and best thing to have happened in 2022 in my opinion and if you understand by this little icon that i have here it is essentially the ending knock on wood of the COVID 19 pandemic that is so long as you are outside of china where things continue to be quite a sticky situation basically so long as you're outside of china COVID-19 has been old news for you. One thing I will say, however, is that I do keep in touch with news from places like Korea and Japan. And in those countries, coronavirus still dominates the headlines. Like all Korean and Japanese newspapers I see, it's always like corona, 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 the corona cases. They're still reporting them. So it's still very big news in Asia. And I think part of this is due to the fact that they are right next to China and the coronavirus and China are not having a good time right now and again it remains the only place basically where the pandemic is at the top of people's minds over here in canada haven't really thought about it in months and months and months and it has been it's been awesome it's been awesome to hopefully put this event behind us one of the really interesting things i thought reflecting on this period and on this pandemic is that essentially that it followed almost an exact timeline and trajectory of the Spanish flu. And Spanish flu was essentially two and a half years, coronavirus essentially two and a half years. And it was very fascinating to see Mark Twain quote, history doesn't repeat itself, but sometimes rhymes. It's very interesting to see some of these rhymes from this earlier pandemic being echoed in our modern era. I think there's no question though that the pandemic era was really hard on a lot of us. A lot of us had to rise more than we've had to sacrifice at any point in our lives. A lot of us lost loved ones. A lot of us lost jobs. It was not a good time for a lot of people. And of course, a lot of this anger and resentment built up into real conflicts between people within countries trying to deal with this pandemic. And looking back now at one of the things that caused a lot of issue, that caused a lot of conflict, particularly online, was the fact that while the coronavirus was something that we were dealing with worldwide. Every single region had its own implementations and its own systems and its own practices around it. And it ended up that each area had its own pandemic culture. And because you couldn't really travel at the time, everything was online. 
a lot of people that became their they became prisoners of that experience and people started projecting their own their own covid prisons their own covid experiences out onto other people who weren't having the same type of experiences and it, it became the perfect sort of point and brewing pot for conflict because we couldn't really go out and we couldn't really verify what was happening but at the same time everybody's online and everybody's talking about what's happening around them all the time because we're experiencing a worldwide event simultaneously with the invention of the internet where everybody can talk to each other at the same time needless to say this period has left a lot of scars and as I think done a, a lot of damage on people's trust with each other, people's trust with the systems at large. And I hope that we can heal from this and please, 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 please knock on wood. Let us not have to experience something like this again in our lifetimes. I really hope it's over and I really hope that we can move forward, hopefully at least a better tomorrow and actually learn a few things along the way when it comes to dealing with pandemics and when it comes to dealing with each other under very stressful and uncertain circumstances. But maybe that's too much to hope. Maybe I'm being too naive and too optimistic. But that being said, I do think the best thing to happen in 2022 is most of the world put the era of the coronavirus in the rearview mirror. All right. And that brings us to the end of our tier list. I don't really have any big predictions for 2023. The world is getting so unpredictable that it is getting harder and harder to keep up with what is happening. It's just, it's better just to talk about events as they happen and then maybe do some kind of vague summary once it's all over like we're doing right now. But overall, I am going to put a final tier list score for 2022. So what kind of year was 2022? Honestly, it's, it's a struggle. I, I, between somewhere between C tier and D tier. It, it's got to be somewhere in there personally, given everything that has happened this year. It's definitely not above, it's not anything above a B tier, that's for sure. And in, a, in any case, comrades, that brings Chatter in the Skull to the end of 2022. And I hope you guys have a wonderful 2023. And I'll see y'all next year.